Hey, good morning, church. Hey, even though we're apart, we're so grateful to be able to worship together online uh, just through technology. We're praising God for that this morning. We hope that you're having a great morning at home. Maybe you've made some pancakes. If not, that should be the plan after this service. So, uh, hey, the other thing that's going to happen here in a few minutes in the service is we're going we're gonna to commemorate uh, communion together. We're going to partake together. And so even as we start this first song, why don't you just run into your kitchen, grab something, whether it's bread and juice or, or milk, something to be able to partake in that and, uh, and celebrate our Lord here in a few minutes. Uh, but let's worship together. Above him, we sing this out. Oh, 
That holy night when he came, he came with a specific purpose and it was the cross. He had his eyes fixed on the cross and, and the, the glory that would come uh, from that act. And, and he said in scripture, he said, it wasn't, it wasn't the well that he came for, he came for the sick. Those under the weight of sin, under the wrath of God, he came for the sick to be the great physician. He came to seek and to save that which was lost on that holy night. And so this morning, we're gonna enter into a time of communion, remembrance of his broken body and his shed blood. And so at this point, if you wanna take your bread in worship of Jesus, broken body on the cross under the wrath of God and the, and the payment for our sin, we partake now in gratitude and thanksgiving and as he commanded in remembrance of him. And then we take the cup, his blood shed for us, his blood shed for us for the full payment of sin to make us white as snow, scripture says, to purify us from all unrighteousness. It's his blood. We partake in gratitude and thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. In Matthew chapter two, it says this, this is uh, shortly after Jesus's birth. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way and behold the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and they worshiped him. The proper response to Christ is to fall down in reverence and in awe to fall down in worship and to fall down in submission. And as we read through the rest of this gospel, we learn that Herod, even though he said he wanted to come to worship, his desire was to, to hold on to control and to hold on to power and to feel like he had control over all things. And this morning, I wonder how many of us, myself included, were this morning trying to control and hold on. But the proper response to the King Jesus is to fall on our knees in awe and in reverence and in worship, even in our homes this morning. And maybe it's even easier in the privacy of our homes to fall before him, to bow before him as the Lord of all, as the King of all, and as the Savior of all, and then to worship him. It says that they fell before him and they worshiped him. And I can't help but see a picture of heaven in Revelation 4 where we have these creatures that are worshiping holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty. And then the elders, 24 elders around the throne begin to bow before him and to cast their crowns in worship. They fall down before him in reverence and awe and submission and they, they worship. And this morning we're gonna take some time, even though we're apart, which none of us likes, we wanna be together, be in the presence of Jesus together. Even from afar, the Holy Spirit unites us and we get to worship him. Just like we will in heaven, we get to worship him this morning in reverence and in awe. Let's do that together.
to him and honor and glory let your incense of praise arise this morning that picture in Revelation 4 that you give us in Revelation 5 of your people, your saints, your elders bowing before you and casting their crowns. The best that they have, casting it before you because you, all things are from you. All things are for you. All things are to you, Lord. Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. Jesus, I love the cross. I love that you would welcome me. Lord, you know, you know my sin, you know my history, you know my past, you know my future, Lord, and you paid that. I just praise you, I worship you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for the cross. Lord Jesus, you see our church gathered in all different diverse places. Lord, you see our church this morning. Lord, may you be pleased with our worship. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Lead us, God. Direct us. We worship you, Lord, as the sovereign king of all things, our savior. Lord, thank you that you came for the sick. That you came for me. Worship you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hope you're having a great morning so far. Um, 
I know we are just being able to worship and, uh, and being able to do this together. Uh, our tech team is an incredible team. They're, they're dedicated and just here to, to, to make this happen. So I think it might be fun if you're watching on the stream, maybe just give them a shout out on, on Facebook or on YouTube if you have a way to, to write on there. Just give them a shout out. They're faithful. Our team is faithful. Our worship band, um, just so grateful for them to continue to want to serve you guys uh, even from afar. Uh, this morning, if you are new uh, with us uh, online, this is your first time being with us, there's going to be a number that will pop up on your screen. Take out your phone right now, and if you would, just text the word welcome to that number. And what will happen in the next few days, one of our staff will reach out just to start to develop a relationship with you and get to know you a little bit better. And so if you would do that, just pop it into your phone right now. We'll be in touch really soon. Now, there's another really important thing. Now that things continue just to be, you know, different each week, everything's changing, everything's, uh, you know, unpredictable, I guess, or as Scott likes to say, unprecedented. Uh, <laughs> um, so because of that, there's another opportunity for that text chain where you can text the word updates with an S at the end. Uh, and if you do that, we'll get you on a text list that will update you. Every time we have a major change, we'll send a text out to that text chain uh, and just keep you up to date on any major changes. So if you want to be a part of that, text us today. We'll get you on that list and we'll be in touch via uh, that opportunity. A uh, few things are going on here at the church. The first is this. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've talked about our Germany missions team and the fact that they're not going to be able to make the trip uh, in early next year due to COVID, uh, which is incredibly sad, but we have found ways to continue to support that ministry from afar. And so there's a number of those things that are going on currently, but two of those that you can be a part of. Uh, the first is that uh, you can make a donation that will allow us to purchase gift cards that will go to purchasing uh, items for that ministry. They, they put on an English day camp, if you're not familiar with it, uh, where they're helping German kids learn English. And so uh, they could really use those gift cards. And if you want to participate in that, you can bring a donation into the office. Don't buy the gift card. Just bring the donation into the office and, uh, and we'll get the gift cards and get them sent over there. But we'd love for you to be a part of that. Another way or another thing that's happening in the new year is we're going to be filming some videos uh, for their opener and for their closing. And uh, Monique Hurley, who is our uh, children's ministry or Gen Now assistant, uh, she's putting all that on. She's preparing that. But we need some people to be in it and help concept those. And so if you're interested in that, you can contact Monique via email or call into the office and we'll get you in touch with her. And that would be an awesome way just to serve them uh, and care for the people in Germany from afar uh, as we're stuck in this season. The last thing that we have going on is next Sunday, we were scheduled to have a congregational meeting. So so if you are a member of Freshwater, we're asking you to be a part of that. But here's the thing. Uh, next week, we may not be able to hold it in person. So we're still trying to figure out details to that, but we will be in touch this week with the whole church to let you know how we'll carry that out and what will, how that will happen. Uh, it could happen over Zoom, I don't know, or it just could happen in person at a later time. But we're going to let you know those details as soon as possible this week. Uh, so keep that on your radar, and we'll be in touch. Uh, well, this morning, uh, Pastor Scott is going to bring a message from the Word, and so, uh, Pastor Scott, take it away. Thanks, Jake. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. Oh, we're back online. Woo! Um, hey, a uh, couple things. Um, as we're moving into this, we're going to jump back into this series that we've been in talking about. Uh, our mission, our vision, and now we're into our values. Um, we did Spirit-Led last week, and, and today we're going to talk about authenticity. And um, a as we're jumping into this, I, I, I want to just say, obviously, in the life of our church, this has been um, a hard week uh, for, for you know, our church family as a whole. Um, with the loss of uh, Jerry Morris and then the loss of Dave Sharp. And, uh, and so there's, as you read through the word, there's these seasons where um, there's grief and there's joy in the same, in the same moment. Um, and this past week, we just, we just heard a story of someone leading someone close to them to the Lord. And, and so we're in the middle of this, you know, loss and grief and in the middle of this celebration like someone is following Christ like this genuine profession of I need Jesus and I believe in him and uh, so we'll just stop and and pray not only for um, the families for Barb Sharp and her family but also Miriam and her family and then our church family being you know now not gathering here on a Sunday morning but um maybe for a couple weeks here, uh, having to be at home 
just want to pray and just ask God to, to kind of just take this time, take us, um, and uh, just pour his presence out on us. So join me as I pray. Lord, uh, we are dispersed all over the area here in our homes. Lord, we just uh, just invite you know, all of you, even as you're praying, to pray for the families. Uh, pray, Lord, for Miriam Morris and her family as they just uh, they walk through this grief. I pray also for Barb Sharp and her family. Would you fill them with comfort and strength and hope? Would you just walk with them and those of us that uh, are, are feeling that loss of both of these men? Lord, we also, in the middle of this, pray for our church, and I pray for each person watching, listening, wherever they are, you would fill the car, you would fill that room with your presence, like invade it, we, we just claim, like we often pray here, Lord, for that this church and this campus would be kingdom ground. I pray wherever people are listening and watching, it's kingdom ground, and only you work. Nothing else distracts. Release your peace right now. Release your comfort. Release your hope. We pray these things, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Mark chapter 12 says this. Jesus talking about uh, the teachers and the leaders of the law and the scribes, the religious leaders of his time, said, Beware of scribes who walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and, and for pretense make long prayers. They will receive a greater condemnation. Jesus says in another passage in Matthew, in fact, it's a whole chapter dedicated to these woes, these warnings that he gives to the scribes and Pharisees. And in verse 27, he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also eat. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. When my wife and I, 18 years ago, were thinking about coming to Wadsworth, we were in Missoula, Montana, and um, I was, you know, we were both sensing, okay, is this call to go lead? Uh, and not just do worship, but to actually lead a church. And I, I fancied myself, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll confess, I thought I could lead like a church of 500 or 700. So I was putting out all these applications, and no one was getting back to me. And uh, so God, as he has it, uh, you know, I'm humbling myself more and more, and I'm like, well, okay. Uh, so we put in an application here and talked to the district superintendent. He said, hey, yeah, I got this church here in Wadsworth. So we came out, but honestly, um, and if you've been a part of our membership classes, you've heard this story, but um, honestly, we, we didn't really want to come to Freshwater. We'd heard that it had been dying for 20 years, and turning around a, a dying church has got to be one of the hardest things to do, I think, in, in ministry. How do you change that direction? And, and so we came more out of like obedience and just kind of this compulsion, well, we should go. In fact, it was the only church that had actually asked us to come. <laughs> so that's a, whatever. But uh, so we come out on Friday night, you know, um, more than 18 years ago, we hung out and talked and, and we had a good time, but we went to the hotel and Joe and I were like, no, we're not, we're not coming here. And then next morning we come and we have a meeting with the leadership team and 
and it's a group of men and women. They're just talking about the church, and this, and it was just more of this is what's broken, and this is what isn't working, and this is what's dead, and what's dying, and you know all this. And it was just like, oh, there's no way we're coming. And then this divine moment. There's a woman there who just finally broke into the conversation, said, "I'm, I'm tired of talking about what's wrong with this church. I want to talk about what's right." We're a broken and humbled people, and we're desperate for God to move. We'll do anything he wants. And um, the, the whole team is all nodding their heads in agreement, and I knew in that moment, I'm like, I'm not even looking at Joe, like, because uh, I knew. I, I knew we were coming. And, and not in a bad way, no, but like, I knew, like, this is good. Like, this could be really good. And there's a lot of things that came out of that, that morning. It was a watershed moment for us. But one of the things that, that really struck us was the authenticity, the openness, and the honesty of the leadership about the church, about the past, about themselves, and their own personal stories as well. It was, it was just refreshing to be in a room where you could tell these people, uh, they were just authentic. It stood out. And they laid everything on the table. There, there wasn't a sense of pretense. There wasn't a sense that they were faking it. They were just themselves. And so when I read a passage like Matthew chapter 23 where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You're like whitewashed tombs. Outwardly do you appear beautiful, but within you're full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So outwardly you appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. And this other one, beware of scribes who like to walk around in log robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for pretense make long prayers. And they will receive a greater condemnation. It, it was the exact opposite of this. And one of our core values of our church that was here before uh, I got here, my wife, we got here, was this idea of authenticity, to be open and honest before God and others. Now, we know what the opposite of authenticity looks like. It, it's this, right? It's, it's the politics. It's the fakers. It's the show-offs. It's a lot of pride, a lot of pretending. And it's just so opposite of Jesus and how he lived and interacted with people. I remember we actually, my wife and I, this isn't part of the script, but my wife and I, the first church that we actually looked at, candidated when we are coming out of seminary, was in Beaver, oh, no, I, I, I don't know if I could say that. Um, forget it, I'm not going to say it because I just said we're, I'm not going to say anything else. Oh my goodness. Um, forget it. <laughs> A little too authentic. Uh, about somebody else's stuff. So um, we're, we're, I'm done. Moving on. Uh, we know what authenticity looks like and doesn't look like. Um, ah, uh, here's a story. Um, I remember I was in Denver, and this is part of the script. I'll stick with this. Uh, I was uh, an intern under Brad Elgin at Change Point at Foothills Bible Church, and I remember about a year in. We were in his office, and we were talking, and he was sharing some stuff that was going on in his life that was just hard, and he says, well, how are you doing? And I shared something, like, lame, I don't know, it was safe, and he just said, Scott, he's like, you are so safe. He says, I, I'm sharing my heart. I'm telling you struggles, and you're over here, and you're so safe. You never share anything deep. You never share anything that, that's risky. You never push into that stuff. You're just walls and hiding behind stuff. And I'm sitting there like, wow. Like, well, that's intense. And, and the problem was I, I knew he was right. I knew he was right. And what's even worse, I didn't even know how to stop doing that. Because it was just the way I lived. Hide, 
walls. Don't let anybody see who you really are. And in fact, what it, what it was was even this, this inability to look at my soul in light of Christ and, and really call things what they really were. I didn't want to even go there. And so most of the people, in fact, a lot of people would just have looked at me and said, yes, Scott's all perfect, whitewashed, great on the outside. We don't know what he's like on the inside, but I knew what was going on. And that started the journey of me of going towards authenticity. And, and, and what starts true authenticity? If you want to know the secret of the best authenticity out there in the world, it starts at the cross. True authenticity, the best authenticity you will ever find starts at the cross. It's at the cross where we're totally laid bare. It's at the cross where we come and we kneel. And the words go something like this, and maybe these are your words, my words are like this, and maybe yours had some of these, and maybe some different ones, but it's something like this at the cross. True authenticity, right? Open and honest. I can't do it. I'm broken. I'm so sorry. I'm so lost. I've made a complete mess of my life. I've hurt others. I've hated you, God. I've rebelled against you, God. I've been so proud. I've been so bitter. Add your words in. I don't know what they are, and it goes on and on. And that's where true authenticity starts, the best kind. No fancy clothes, no great seat, no whitewashing, just ourselves at the foot of the cross. We don't even get to bring anything with us. We don't even get to bring character witnesses. (laughs) And it's why communion, even this morning, communion, never loses its meaning. I was talking to someone this past week, and they just were reading through uh, uh, some of the letters from Peter, and Peter wrote at one point, how precious is the blood of Christ. It's everything. And in that moment, what happens? Well, God does what he promised. He loves us, he forgives us, he restores us, he redeems us. He loves us. He immerses us in grace. He loves us. Me, all broken and messed up, he, he loves me. Did I say that? Does he, does, did I say he loves us, right? And this is where true authenticity is born because if God has forgiven me and God has restored me at the worst moment right there, which was actually all of the moments, but it was that culmination there of being transparent, honest in front of the cross and Jesus. And he says, I love you and I've restored you and I've forgiven you. And he pulls us up, right? And he puts this coat around us and he calls us son and he calls us daughter. If, if that's what he does for us in that moment, we don't need to hide. But we don't have to pretend. We don't need a title. In fact, what this world offers is, is nothing compared to just him and what he's done for us. And out of that bursts this authenticity. We can just be free to be ourselves. What's interesting is if you read Paul, now if you're newer to following Jesus or trying to figure it out, Paul is one of these guys who used to hate Jesus. In fact, the first time we get introduced to Paul was in in this book called Acts, the history of the church, and and Paul is there and he's holding the garments while people go kill the first Christian. I mean, Jesus has been crucified, and then this first one of the first Christians. Stephen comes and tells the Jews who just killed Jesus about 40, 50 days earlier, or probably 40 days earlier, right? I don't know, somewhere like that, 40 or 50. And he says, hey, you guys killed the Messiah. They didn't like that, so they went and killed Stephen. And Paul's there handing, holding the, uh, the garments. Paul went on to, it says, I think in chapter 8 of Acts, that he was arresting Christians, putting them in prison. 
He ends up having this powerful encounter with Jesus on the road, doing a road trip, and Jesus shows up and just completely stops Paul on his tracks, and Paul gets it and repents. And so we, we read about Paul. Paul ends up writing a lot of the letters of the New Testament. And it, Paul wrote this one time. He was talking to a church. This is long after he started following Christ. He's like, when I came to you guys, and this is kind of, I'm, I'm reading uh, Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and kind of summarizing as I'm reading it, my own words here. But he says, when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come to you protest, or proclaiming to you the testimony of God with, with lofty speech or wisdom. He says, I, I just decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you. And when I came, I was in weakness. I was scared. I was feared and trembling. He's shaking as he's coming to them. Like he's, he's trembling. He's nervous to even come. And he says, my speech, my messages, they weren't like this great scholastic presentation. It was just the Holy Spirit and his power. Paul Because at the foot of the cross, we could say what's going on in our soul, and it, it doesn't matter what people think, because Christ himself has already given us the final word of what he thinks of us. And that's why authenticity, as you read through Christ and how he taught about his kingdom and you read how it's played out in the New Testament church, it's why authenticity is one of the most important values it's, it's something that we look for in men and women who have influence at Freshwater. Have they, have they met Christ at the foot of the cross? Have they been broken? We're not looking for perfection. We just want people who desperately needed redemption and forgiveness and still need it and salvation. And, and that culture that was here before my wife and I got here, and we've sought to preserve and fight for that. And, and it isn't just for leaders. It's just for anyone. It's the bare minimum, right? It's the bar. It's the bar of cro the, the cross of Christ there and someone totally being undone and truly authentic and honest, open before God. That's just where it starts. And what that produces is a culture where it's safe to be open, to be real. And I just want to put a couple boundaries on this. So like, what does that look like, and how does that, how does that work? Um, I think one of the things, as, as we think about this idea of what does it look like to be authentic, James talks about this struggle. If you read the book of James, he's talking to these Christians, and they're just, they're, they're struggling. Some of them are real mess. And he talks about this idea. He says, I want you to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. James chapter 5. And often the model and the assumption that I've, we've seen, you, maybe you've seen, I've seen in churches, that you have to go and confess your stuff in front of the entire church. It doesn't say that. It says, confess your sins to one another. Being authentic doesn't require us to tell everybody everything that has ever happened in our lives with everyone we know, right? It just doesn't say that. It doesn't require us to tell everyone everything about everything that's happened in our lives. But there is something to this biblical mandate and invitation to bring someone or a handful of people into our life and let them see who we really are. It's a supernatural experience, profound to be open, honest before God and others. 
And as priests and priestesses, what happens is God uses us because someone comes and they say who they really are and you see their true self and they're there and they're hoping, hoping against hope that no one shames them or condemns them. And what happens in that moment is us who are filled with Christ come along and, and we, he comes through us and uses us to bring grace, to bring healing, to bring mercy, to release his forgiveness. I've seen it over and over again. Such a powerful moment. And and the people are wondering, are you still gonna love me? Are you gonna think about me any differently? Are you gonna judge me? Are you gonna do this? And, And no, what happens in that moment is all those in the room are still at the foot of the cross and we're still saying how precious is the blood of Christ. And the bond goes deeper with Christ, and the bond grows greater with his family. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. A second thought about this idea of authenticity is it's it's most easily lived out in the context of smaller group groups, smaller groups, right? Community groups. You could really call these like mini churches or micro churches because what happens in those is it's just that's the church. The building isn't the church. <laughs> we're, we're learning that again and again and again. Uh, and, and so where we see people gathering as a church, it could be a group of two or three. It could be a group of 10 to 15 like some of our community groups. And that's where authenticity is most easily lived out. Christ invites us into that. It's, it's very difficult to have that happen on a Sunday morning. That's why we encourage you to get involved in community groups, to get involved in Bible studies, to get involved in a context where you're serving. When you serve with others, something happens there and you develop relationships. It happens in all those contexts. As we think about what this looks like, just you know, this idea of authenticity, just a couple thoughts. Um, if you're hiding right now, it's just no way to live. If you've got walls up, if no one really knows you, and you think that's the definition of manhood, is you're just this rock, nobody knows, and nobody gets in, and nothing ever is expressed, and all of that, um, it, it's interesting what happens is love is love is stunted. We're only going to love people as much as we've let someone love ourselves. It, it's all tied together. But not only that, it steals glory from God. And, and stick with me on this. If you never let anybody in, and if you never let anybody know who you really are, then you've never really told anybody about the moment of the cross and who you really were and what Christ did for you. And so you've never released the glory. You've never released the story of his glory, right? And what he did and his redemption and his salvation and how much he loves you. You won't let anybody hear Wait. I think one of the greatest things I've seen happen over the years in our church is these moments when, uh, you know, I get to, and, and so many of us have seen this, but when we get at the cross with somebody and, and Christ does his work, and I've had so many people say, if you ever hear of somebody that has my struggle, give them my name. Give them my name because I want them to know they're not alone. And I'm just thinking through people who have been through so much pain and so much struggle and so much loss and so much sin and they're saying I want my story to be told to those people who would know and they would get it and that's what happens I'm telling you there's so many times I'll text two people and say hey you need to meet this person this person you need to meet this person I ask permission first before I introduce them and then what happens is I get out of the middle of it. I don't get to hear what happens only the stories later where this person says that was exactly what I needed And the glory of Christ.
that. Nobody gets to know how worthy Jesus is when we just we hide and we keep walls up and, and, and we don't let this story out. In fact, I'll tell you, there's someone that came to know the Lord this past week from freshwater because someone stood up in a baptismal and said, I love Jesus. This is what he did for me. This is when I came to the cross and, and Jesus' blood and it was this and it was amazing and a person was watching it and they couldn't escape. They couldn't escape the words and the impact of the cross of Christ and someone's authenticity of being open and transparent. So as a leadership, we, we want to be a place where we can be authentic and we can, we can grow or we could even stumble and possibly fail and, and help people get back up. Not with condemnation, but with grace. Maybe this week you let someone in for the first time. And maybe you tell them your story. The whole story. Often people come through our church and, and they have never told their story. It's often, this is the first time I've ever said this. And what happens in that moment is the power. Satan wants to isolate us. He totally wants to isolate us. He wants to keep us on an island and, and keep us there and tell us, you deserve to be there. No one else is like you. You are so this and you're so that and you don't deserve and whatever. And it's powerful. That whatever that is on that island that keeps us there, it's powerful. It's like we can't even get off of it. And the moment we share this with someone at the foot of the cross, all that power is broken, and they kind of, we, we stand up and go, well, wait a minute. If this is who Jesus says I am, and that's not who I am, I'm free. I'm free. I'm not that person. You and I are a priest and a priestess. Right where you sit, we bring Christ with us, and when we gather together, that is the church, wherever that is, not a building, but wherever it is, and, and we can bring the kingdom like this. Maybe you've never met Jesus. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you came to church, and it was the last place you would have ever thought to meet Jesus. You walked away going, if that's who Jesus is, I don't want any part of it because it's this, right? It's, it's, the, it's the hypocrisy, the best seats in the synagogues, the politics. Give me the greed and walk around in gray robes, all dressed up, whitewashing tombs. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus invites us into this place where we can truly be ourselves and be known, and he loves us. And that starts at the cross. And if you have never, ever bowed your knee at the cross, I'm telling you that the lie is that's the worst thing that could ever happen, I'm telling you, it is the best thing that can ever happen, is that moment where we say, I need to be saved. Please save me. Please save me. And if you're listening right now and you've never thought to do this or understood this, it's simply what we've been talking about. The cross is the place where we can just come to Christ because he's died for us paid the penalty for our sins, took it upon himself and said, I, I've taken that. You just come and you say, I need save, save me. I need salvation. And, and believe in your heart that he is Lord. And in that moment, say, you, can, you have control. I give it to you. That's where true authenticity is found. That's where 
you're finally known in the deepest parts of who you are that you've longed for, that I have longed for. And you won't find condemnation. You will actually find forgiveness, healing, redemption. You will find an identity. I, as the words, I could just keep going on and on. Let me pray. Lord, uh, I pray for our church. I pray for those right now that are scared to let somebody in. Lord, would you, right now where they are, bring the, a name to their mind? Give them a name of a person they know that has been at the cross. And Lord, put that prompting and that urge inside of them to go and to share. Not with thousand people, but that one person that has been at the foot of the cross, Jesus, you know who they are. Just give them the name. And some of you are hearing a name right now. I would encourage you to go and share. I pray for those, Lord, who are just, uh, they've never truly been known. They haven't even known you yet. Would you, would you speak over them, God? Would you put into their spirit right now your love? I just release your love on them and your peace on them. That it's gonna be okay if they come to you. That they won't be judged and they won't be condemned. And I pray for our church. Freshwater, Lord, as we're dispersed and we are the church where we gather, I pray that this what happens out of the cross, that safety, that love, that um, being held and known by you, Lord, it would just, it would be infused in our relationships. And we would continue to hear stories of, wow, people are just so authentic. People are just so open. People are just so honest. Amen. Amen. You, if you're sitting there, you may know of someone who doesn't know Christ. In fact, we, we've talked about this in past years. Are there three people? I'm not talking about 50. I'm talking about three. Are there three people in your life that you're praying for? People that you know don't have a relationship with God. Who's your three? Who's your three? I just uh, sent an email to invite one of my three that I've just been, you know, praying for over the years to, to come to Alpha. Alpha's starting January 17th. It's right around the corner. And I want to encourage you, people, if you, Christians, I mean, us, it's hard. Like, this last week's hard, not only because of loss, but then with COVID and all the things that are going on. It's hard for us, and if it's hard for us, it's, it, it's got to be even harder for those who don't have Christ in them. And I just invite you to think through who's the three and invite them to jump into Alpha. Be praying about that. Don't, don't blow it off. Be praying about that. Who's your three? Thanks for jumping in. And uh, may God bless you. Go with him. We'll see you soon.